It's Ophelia Talks, episode 18, and our season one finale. Welcome to the show, beautiful people. My name is Zach Rich, your usual host, but this week, the guest. I'm the guest. The tables have turned, and my friend Mike Tubman, after a little while, will be giving me some rather crazy questions. This got a lot more introspective than I expected it to, and I hope that it's somewhat listenable, because I, I, I've whispered a bit of my soul into your ear throughout the next 50 or so minutes. We went really, really long because we stopped paying attention. But it's like the finale. It's double wide. Uh, before we get to that, though, I want to give out a couple of thank yous. First and foremost, to everyone who came out and saw Liz Estrada Jones over the last couple of weeks. It was such a wonderful show. I miss it already. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed making it for you. Uh, if you missed out on it, well, there's always the next one. Uh, but Liz Estrada Jones was a show that was very close and dear to my heart. I'm sad to see it go, but I'm so excited for the next next big thing coming up. And I meant to talk about this during the podcast proper, but we didn't get around to it. But this is the last episode for the season for Lissus, or for Lissus Rada Jones, for Ophelia Talks. Uh, we're going to take the summer away, kind of recharge our batteries a little bit and focus on other projects. Uh, but we're going to hopefully have another season of shows going on for you as we get closer to Ophelia's fall season. And I'll be checking in from time to time. We're planning on doing a couple of summer episodes with a couple of specific people. Uh, I think I'm going to be posting the first episode of a podcast that I'm doing with a couple of my friends that I will talk about later in the episode proper. There will be stuff going on in this space, so keep an eye out. Uh, keep an eye on our social medias. All of that information will be there for you. I want to specifically thank a couple of people for allowing me to do this. First and foremost, Sarah Bennett and Billy Aiken Tires, the heads of Ophelia. I came to them doing this crazy idea. They said, Let's try it out. It might work. And evidently, like, this has been really, really fun. I'm a huge podcast listener, and I've loved, uh, I, I just love the opportunity to get to talk to people that I really admire and really respect and like. And this has just been a blast for me to do. So I'm thankful to them for allowing me to do it. And I'm really thankful for you, the listener. A lot of uh, listeners have come up to me and said, I really enjoy what you're doing. Like, I've been listening to it uh, on my car rides into work or whatever. And that's like, that's that just blows my mind because that's the kind of thing that I I have done my entire life. So to hear something that I've been making uh, have an impact on somebody else's life, uh, that's been really, really sweet. And I hope I get to do it more for you in the future. And I, I, I hope you keep listening. I hope that I get to improve and keep on working on this uh, little side project of mine and make it something that's really, really near and dear to many people's hearts. Uh, thank you to everyone who came out and uh, did the show with me, sitting here with me, uh, reflecting on my self-indulgence. Thank you to Mike for coming out and doing this finale episode with me. Uh, evidently, not being in control of where the conversation is going is really, really difficult. And there is a specific moment that you'll hear in the episode where I was like, I have no idea what to say. Uh, and that's that's crazy to me. I understand now what it's like to be in the hot seat uh, when I'm doing this show. And hopefully I'll take that with me for season two. Uh, I've talked on way long enough. Have a wonderful summer. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about it in the show proper, but we are doing Your Alice at the Brooklyn Academy of Music and the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Uh, all the dates for that information are on our website at Lissus... <laughs> My gosh, I just want to keep on saying Lissus Strata. Uh, all that information is at OpheliaTheater.org. Uh, if you want to follow me over the summer, my socials, I am Papa Bear Zach on the Twitter and the Instagram. Keep up with me. I post from time to time, usually about video games, but I try to diversify just a wee bit. 
And alright, thank you to Fiend in Green for the use of our theme song. It's called Welcome to Enjoy off the album Green Planet Adventures. Find out more about them at fiendingreen.bandcamp.com. They're a lovely group of people, and I'm so thankful that we got to use this really cool song for our first season. And that's about it. Uh, let's dive into the episode proper. I hope you'll forgive me for a little bit of self-indulgence on my part, but this was a fun exercise for me, and I think it was a fun episode to listen back through. So, yeah, go ahead. Go off and frolic. Enjoy your summer. I'll see you back in the fall. Enjoy. couldn't be here he's in the bahamas <laughs> what so, is he doing in the bahamas uh writing writing okay the great uh, the next great not a bahama novel not american not novel. a bahama mama not a bahama mama he has he's drinking those for indeed for, insp- <laughs> for inspiration and is, he's written about a page and a half but it's yeah. a solid page and a half <laughs> um so i'm gonna be guest hosting today and with me is zatch rich yeah because they're zatch they're both, Where did, they're both who spelled came the same. up with that? I don't know. <laughs> I think somebody misspelled my name Probably. at some point, and that's just what people called me for two years. If you think about it, like they're spelt the exact same. It should be Zach Rich or Zach Rick. It should be Zach Rick. It should be one of them. <laughs> they're spelt the exact same, Zach. You're getting kind of crazy. So, but anyways, let's get this let's get this bad boy started. So yeah, ask uh, me some questions. I'm gonna ask you first and foremost, how long have you been with the company, man? I've been with Ophelia for. Good gravy. I think it's been three years now. Yeah, man. It flies uh, by, since, isn't it? Since Floyd, which was ever so long ago. I just yeah. need to point this out. He has actual questions damn right written do. down on his oh, phone. Oh, yeah. Whereas I literally just throw out the cue cards. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, but you print up the cue cards, so I'm impressed. I have, I have nothing prepared, so let's just spin the... So. I don't anticipate getting to any of these questions, <laughs> except for the last question, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, no, I joined in. I was a huge Floyd Collins fan. That's so I yeah. saw Fox and Boulder and looking for the program, I saw, oh, it's Floyd Collins coming up next. And I was like, that's my favorite musical. Yeah, so I didn't see the audition. I like I remember being at Fox and Boulder and going up to Eric. I was like, he's the director, I gotta make it. <laughs> and I think we talked about That is Eric Ryder, for those of you who don't regularly listen Did I to do the that? podcast. Oh baby! Oh, no, yeah. I'm the monster now. <laughs> I'm the bad guy. Every single episode, I love it so much. <laughs> we are spiking. Oh, yes, we so are. So bad. That's entirely. Uh, no, Eric Ryder. Uh, I went up to him, and I think we ended up talking about FIFA for all of like five minutes. That's like, right. That's yeah, correct. Yeah, I played some simulation sports games. And I'm like, that's yeah, great. and I wasn't really into football yet, so I was like, yeah, sports scene fine <laughs> yeah that's about right yeah but i guess it was good enough to get a foot in the door yeah, yeah. The company, and then 
I just ended up doing five, six shows over yeah. the last couple of years, either as a AD and ASM for sure, uh, acting in the mall. You've kind of yeah, you've kind of hit all all facets of the of the production. I've worn well. many hats. Yes, you have here. absolutely. Well, speaking of, and I've worn hats on top of my hats because <laughs> I think three times now I signed up to do one thing and end up and doing, doing something. <laughs> yeah, that's else. true. You're like I'm I'm, I'm AD. Yeah, hey, I'm, I'm the assistant director, but can you also drum? Exactly, can you be the assistant drummer. <laughs> exactly. Well, and then all of that's going on. You're you. You are the company manager uh, on the board, so yes. that's a hat that you're continuously wearing even throughout. Yes, that's like that's the that's the hat that's attached to the scalp. It's right, just exactly, kind of exactly. That's, that's eventually I just I'm wearing five hats and I look ridiculous. I mean, I think you look just just fine, sir. <laughs> you're very just kind fine. to me. Um, so okay, so then uh, as company manager, manager, um, what what's some stuff about the position? that beforehand you weren't expecting? Either a pleasant surprise, maybe a, a tough challenge, or something like that. There's honestly nothing that I've done in this role that I didn't expect. Cool. The core tenet of my job is making sure communication is open right. between either members of the production team and actors or just people that aren't involved in specific productions. You should get a sure podcast are, going, man. I should get a podcast going. You should really going. do that. That would help with I should really just talk to somebody about all this. Um, but okay. I, communication's hard. Yeah. And I think it's imperative to have a focal point to make sure that everyone's on the same page because when you're a company that's growing as quickly as ours is i was looking for our member list and just from say as you like it to today right. there's at least 70 different actors Oof. that we've worked with wow uh, and obviously you can't keep everyone involved at all times so you got to find ways to make sure everyone's in the know about mm -hmm. what's going on and try to find ways to broaden our reach to our community to make sure our actors are being heard being involved finding ways to maintain a sense of ownership to this company totally that they are a part yeah of. so that's yeah. the core tenant of my role mm -hmm. i would say like the difficulty is just that sometimes it's hard to get in touch with yeah, are it's you hard to touch people. It's hard to hear people. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I know you sent out these, 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 these really, you know, well thought out, well crafted emails, and I imagine sometimes those things, you know, can fall on deaf ears and stuff like that. That's gonna be a little frustrating. There was a too. magical moment during Lisa Strata actually, where Kayla and I were discussing this. Our stage manager, Kaylin Buckley, mm -hmm. uh, we sent an email out to all of our company members, being like, "Hey, this is." Uh, your call time for today, which was like half an hour later than usual, right. and all the actors showed up at the same time, <laughs> and we were like, did you read your email? And they go, email? Yeah, actors are pretty awful. Actors are <laughs> disgusting. Yes, they I'm are. I'm sick of actors. <laughs> I know. I did I did the assistant director. I've only done it once, and I did it for some night, which of course you were in. You were um, a dynamo. Oh, thank you. You man. had such great chemistry with uh the director Eric Ryder. Yeah. Again, uh, and the two of you just kind of tag team this entire way through. Thanks, man. I thought you had such great ownership. So when he told me, he was like, oh, never again. I was like, well, you've got an eye for it. Oh, yeah. I think I really, I really appreciate that. I think the never again, and obviously I joke when I say never again, for, the, for me, it came from like, it was amazing going from being from an actor to an assistant director because like the first thing you do is go, actors are the Freaking the worst. worst. Very man. bad. They're Very terrible. They don't do this. They don't listen. They don't blah, blah, blah. And of course... They don't pay attention to me. Right? They don't listen to nothing right? I say. They don't They don't appreciate all the hard work that goes on when they're not around. I have spreadsheets right? that they right? don't look at. Right. And then as soon as uh, the show is over, I'm like, I'm going to go back to being lazy and self-absorbed. Oh, yeah. people. So I hear you. It's it's definitely... It's a, it's a little difficult, I imagine, on the uh, on the communication front. So, um, so you said you've been in a bunch of 
shows. Yeah. What's your favorite Ophelia show, both that you have been in or that you haven't been in or, or whichever? Oh, good gravy. Yeah. In terms of Ophelia productions, I have a very, I actually have a very soft spot for Some Night. Some Night's great. Uh, I found that show to be one, just one of the more enjoyable. I have this rule where the more enjoyable the production, the probably less great the show is actually going to be, but some of that was definitely the exception to the rule because That's it def- felt, yeah. it was 50% us goofing off and making music and like I was behind the drum set for that show too, for but sure. as my character of Harry, who's this dopey halfway who oh. just we, we wants knew, everyone to chill and make good tunes and comes in, he's got his headphones on, he's turned off to the world, walks into a big argument, and it's like, aw, yeah. jeez, we, we, That was the only one that we, like, we obviously don't precast shows, but that was the only one that we went in and we're like, I'm, this, if Zach, there was, if there Zach was, misses, I don't like to, up. I don't like to sit there and be like, well, this role is mine if I want it, it but. It was, though. It really was, though. It was like, alright, Zach, it, it's gonna take some real serious work to come in here and and drop the ball that much I, to yeah. not get cast. In I would this have role. to. I would have to have my talent space jam done. That's a, that's very very accurately put. Like some magical alien drumsticks mm-hmm. just kind of seep in and take the talent from Absolutely. this sweet Ophelia boy. This sweet Ophelia boy. Uh, no, I found some night to be a very. It's a very magical show, and it's a very like Sarah Bennett, the writer. Uh, <laughs> the cat is going. The cat is going nuts. nuts over she, there. she wrote this really introspective and sweet and beautiful piece just about uh, yeah. forming a community and building something together and making music and loving each other, even when it's very hard to love somebody else. Uh, that show really, really, really rings true to my heart, mm-hmm. and I felt like doing it was easily one of the better, probably one of the best New York experiences awesome. I've had since I moved out That's here. That's great. Yeah, she tends to. To write shows that have a theme of, of community and that 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 uh that mirror usually the group in some form or another. Sure, sure. And, and I think that those all resonate with us. And that was when when Eric and I were first discussing the show, we really discussed that you know uh, that space that we created the, the, with a set and just the energy that we wanted it to feel like the kind of space that'll feel like we were talking about like we want to party here after the show is over like we want yeah. it to feel very distinctly community and distinctly uh ophelia so i'm I really i'm happy that you heard that you did yeah that. but like I, I feel like i've done i think i think i've been involved with at least i want to say six or seven productions in the last three years and each of them have presented something radically different every yeah. time in terms of a different challenge even I was a part of, we did an adaptation of The Seagull, which Sarah Bennett also wrote. Absolutely. And I signed on to be an ASM, an assistant stage manager for that, and I ended up playing a very small part. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the (laughs) character Yakov. Yeah. uh, Who's like this kind of almighty janitor Mm -hmm. of the entire story. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You you cracked me up. (laughs) And that was the thing. I was like, what can I do to make a character with basically two minutes of screen time and five minutes memorable? Right. I've learned this wonderful lesson where the smaller your part is, the more likely... <laughs> I don't want to say you become the best part of the show, but you have such little territory it's, to fuck up. It's e- and it's easier to steal if you're gonna. Like, yeah. if you're gonna be able to, like, with, with, with my with my recent, you know, role in Lissa Strata Jones, like, you know, I'm on stage the whole time, there are only moments where I'm kind of injected into the actual Absolutely. Space. And it's like, alright, this is my little moment to kind of steal, and then I can go back to doing whatever I want to do. And, yeah, I, you were one of the more memorable parts of that show, despite <laughs> the fact that you were, you were very, very, they, they, you spent very little time in the actual 
sure. I didn't have the opportunity to be bad. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a way of putting it, Zach. Yeah. yeah, but and it's it's really unique because I think we're fleshing out. Even uh, I was a part of our original run of Your Alice, which was right. by and far one of the most difficult processes yeah. I ever went oh, through as an actor. Yeah. Both because there was a show that pushed me far outside of my comfort zone, just in terms of physicality, of emotion, of even Billy Akintyres' approach to the rehearsal process and the community building. Uh, it's a very unique situation that she builds for her actors. It's a very different room, and it took a lot of getting used to to do that. For it was sure. quite honestly one of the most difficult processes of my life that just like left its huge mark on me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, just kind of a, a, a new drive for better understanding of textual work and just building something. I've always, the thing that always brought me to theater was being able to build something with collaborators. Totally. Uh, like any medium, if, even if you look at movies and film and video games right. and all that stuff, I feel like theater is such an intimate space. Mm -hmm. And what we built with the original run of Alice was this extremely close and personal journey yeah uh that going on with that room of people and i'm not in this production of it for personal reasons i've got some stuff going on outside of it that i just have to tear myself away from but uh i think it's such a unique and beautiful and cool show yeah uh that i really hope a lot of people get to see in the next couple of runs of it i'm it's I'm, great that it has legs yeah it's it's a very it's very exciting and you're you're absolutely right in that that every single new show that that you that we do i do feel like there's a different i don't want to say lesson but different thing that you can take away and that you can hold on to and that's yours for 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 good absolutely and i think ophelia does a really good job with that whether it's it's something you know what depending whatever the show may be whether it's something on a, uh, of a subject matter that's a little more serious or a subject matter that's a little more lighthearted, there's still something really wonderful that you can take with you going from some night to your alice because we did those back to back Ooh, yeah. and i was involved in both of them was the most jarring experience talk about talk about a juxtaposition position absolutely yeah yeah like was... sometimes sometimes you just build a season and like you've got some distinct flavor but i i was basically at the theater almost maybe five days a week for a good four month period yeah. boy howdy does that ruin a boy <laughs> i'm a literally two weeks out from from doing that pretty much all summer right right and i uh and i and i he i hear you on that it's it's exciting and then there's that moment where you go i just need to breathe i like swimming but i need to breathe oh. like it's great some days i just feel like i'm treading water <laughs> dude i hear you on that i hear you on that but it's all moving towards some some good stuff which is which is always kind of exciting so well uh speaking of, of treading water and speaking of future endeavors you yeah. know um what what uh i i'm sure you can't divulge what the next season is or anything like that yet mm -hmm. but what's something about the the group that you are most looking forward to moving on in the future something that's that excites you good golly i well while 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 well, well, sidestepping those landmines <laughs> well the, the the honest answer is there is i have no idea what's happening next right i uh, i'm not saying that because like i'm trying to hide whatever no, we're yeah, doing yeah. i have no idea what we're doing fair next. enough yeah uh, I, a lot of the emphasis and attention is being spent on Alice right now right. simply because of the scope of what these next two productions for it are going to bring. Absolutely. We haven't even really started discussing the fall season right, yet, right. which tends to happen. We we take uh, the summers away one, to regroup because to, we're just like you need to get at it for charged. so long yeah, and also trying to do the shows in our space at any month that is between June and September is a death <laughs> wish I would not wish on anybody. You, you, you and I have, have, have been part of, I'd say, the three hardest productions to be a part of with regards to it being 
quite hot. When we did theater. Floyd Collins, we did our production of that in, I want to say, June. Yeah. And it was a very hot summer in New York. The yeah. temperatures were getting up to about 90 degrees. And our theater space doesn't have central air. We have no air conditioning right. whatsoever. Right. And Floyd Collins takes place in the death of February. Yeah. Like, yeah. So we're supposed so to be layers. chilling ourselves <laughs> to the bone. And instead, I'm in like heavy plaid shirts. Right. The sweat. Yeah. Dripping. There's one moment where I'm literally looking down at the world, like trying to see Floyd in his hole and everything. And we're all just looking there looking sad and i just watch just yes all of the sweat like a torrential <laughs> downpour i feel like i could wash away a colony of ants with what was happening <laughs> on my body in that moment that was that was me during um during alice uh alice was terrible alice, alice was even worse alice was like jacket on top of jacket on top of jacket on top of jacket and you're running around and also you're doing all these things with your arms and let's run around well, in circles that was... my name's billy ink and tires and you're doing <laughs> a cardio workout today like oh my god yeah man She's... whereas on the flip side we did some night in freezing 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 cold with no heat yep. in the theater that week because yep. god wished bad things on us that day <laughs> and it was i was literally there was a moment where i'm supposed to be like fast to slick stage asleep on right. the floor and suddenly we're just i my body is Such just shaking. convulsing <laughs> like i'm corpsing on the floor oh, because i just need to stay no. warm in some pattern uh, even though i'm magically asleep that's great the elements are such a factor <laughs> i gotta t- i gotta tell you with regards to because hamlet was really bad too our hamlet almost went through uh, the beginning stages of heat stroke because it was a it was a two and a half hour show oh, no. yeah it was a two and a half hour show which we, we, that that Eric cut down Eric Ryder cut down um, and our, uh, um, our 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 Hamlet uh, was on stage for about two hours and ten minutes of, that, of the show exactly <laughs> and so we had to force him during the twenty minutes he wasn't on stage to go into a, the the um, we, this is back when we were doing this in the broccoli space which is different than the curse space that we're at, in and uh, there's the the, the the coach's office yeah um, that's right there and it had an air conditioner in, in there and we forced him to go in there and and soak up some air conditioning before he went back on stage um, but no the thing I'm most excited about with this BAM run is um, <laughs> is probably that BAM for for uh, for Alex is that it has that AC, has maybe. Exactly. Moving on I up. can't wait, man. We are moving on up. It's super exciting. And that's like the thing. When we talk about the future of this company, like there's no specific roadmap right now, right. but the trajectory is upward. Uh, in both a, totally. a in in terms of our reach and our scope, like our ambition is <clears throat> our ambition is something else. Yeah, man. Uh, even looking at what we accomplished with Lissistrata Jones or even uh, the the play festival that we did at the top of this season. Yeah, like, those were small budget works but just the creative prowess on display between the four shows that we did. Mm-hmm. Like, it was something else. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I'm very proud. Just looking back at this season between the play festival and Lissistrata, like, I'm very proud of what creatively we were able to accomplish and I think it's just I, I don't want to sit there and be like, well, it's just going to be more of that because you never know what pitfalls are going to come up along the right, way. Right, right. Uh, when, I, when I look at the future of this company, like I, I see more creative endeavors and an ability to broaden our scope and our reach, especially considering uh, we're, we're opening a West Coast branch. We are sending the show to one of the biggest off-Broadway theaters there is. We're sending the show over to basically the place that places go to go on Broadway yeah. in the West End someday. Like there's, there's, there's stuff happening, and I don't know what it is. 
but it's happening. Yeah, man. It's it's a very it's a very precarious yet exciting time for the for the group right now. And, and I, it's got to be more interesting to you since you've been there since you know the 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 crying screaming baby moments. It's weird, man. There are moments where I have to take a step back and kind of like examine. Like I, I I've been comparing it to living in New York actually, sure. which is you know you live in New York and you and you, you take so much of New York for granted. You know, how, much, how long have you been in New York uh, now? Seven and a half, I want to say. Good gravy. Yeah, maybe. No, close to eight now. <clears throat> Holy crap, I think it's going to be eight in like ten days. I think oh, just, man. I think I've just been saying ten and a half, or seven and a half for the past like six months, and I'm like, oh, shoot. Oh, um, yeah, that. it's going to be like, in like two weeks, it's going to be uh, it's gonna be eight years. Um, but I think, you know, you walk around and like, like during like Christmas time, and there's all these lights on like Madison or something like that, you know what I mean? And you're just kind of walking around doing your normal thing, and I think every now and then you got to take that step back and like look up and go... Oh right, I do live in freaking New York City. People pay money, like a lot of money, to come and take their families to visit here yeah. for just a week and like see all these really, truly kind of incredible things that I sort of just like take for granted sometimes. And so I've been kind of comparing it to that in in a very similar way, which is just like I'm I'm so in the thick of all these things right now, and it's so awesome to be a part of it but there's there's so much work required of it you know what i mean and it's like constantly looking at script work or doing research or doing this and it's all work that i love doing mm. but every now and then i do have to take a step back and be like holy crap holy crap i'm making my off-broadway debut in five weeks and it's like oh my god i'm making an international debut in in a couple months and it's like it's it's all those types of things whereas i'm especially going back to california with this new show you know, to, to set up OTG West, we're all from California. Sure. And so I remember doing shows in Sarah's backyard and just kind of having fun and, you know, and, and we still are obviously having a lot of fun. And so, yeah. <laughs> obviously. Yeah, yeah. We're having back a when great we had, time. Back, back when life was great and we didn't hate our, no. Um, Oi, Billy, <laughs> You want to run around for me? I love her though so damn much. I've entered this very introspective moment of my life. Yeah. Uh, like when we're talking about, like, my, my, my life trajectory kind of blew up a few months ago because sure. of various unfortunate circumstances. Right. So there's been a lot of... The polio, yeah. The, the polio, yeah. <laughs> it came back and got me in a bad way. Uh, it, it's, I had this night, uh, uh, just a couple of... Weeks ago, it was after a performance of La Estrada, mm-hmm. and I, I recently changed apartments. I feel like if you listen back for this entire season, you just hear like weird background events going on for my life the entire way through. It was like, oh, you moved. Oh, there was this big break. Right. Like, what's going on? I'm like, stuff's happening. Right. Uh, but there was, a, there was a moment I was about to come home, and I literally put my key in the door, and it was like, I don't want to be in my home right now. Which mm-hmm. is weird, because I love my home. All my stuff is in my home. Right, my right. bed, my favorite place in the world, is in my home. Right, right. Um, and I <laughs> live now a couple of blocks away from Astoria Park. Uh, Gorgeous. Which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And it was like 2 in the morning. We, we had gone out and everything, and I was a little tipsy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I ended up uh, walking over to the park and sitting down by a tree and just kind of overlooking. I, I feel like I've never done this before, but I just looked at the city from yeah. the view of the East River. Yeah, man. Which is something I don't, I don't, I don't think I've done in years. And yeah, it's it's odd because I feel like I've lived in this city for five years now, but I don't feel like I've actively lived here yet. Yeah, 
I it I think especially when you live in a place like Astoria and we're so centralized with all of yeah. our friends and with the theater and stuff like that that I think sometimes it's easy to get caught up in your little like ten to twenty block radius of your world. And I think that's what I mean. Even I wouldn't even say my ten to twenty block radius. I would say my bedroom and my bathroom. Right. Right. It. it, it I. I realized that I just kind of locked myself in a box the last couple of years. Like yeah. even though I've been doing all of these things, it was getting to a point where I wasn't feeling a sense of accomplishment with what I was doing. I wasn't feeling connections to other people. I was in a relationship that wasn't working anymore and I refused to acknowledge it. Right. And it when when it all kind of started to blow up in my face, I thought it was blowing up in my face, but in reality I've just been watching this bomb go off in very slow motion. Right. So And just yeah, I just haven't really it, put it, the pieces together yet. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it feels like this is a moment where like because this bomb went off like it also knocked the lock out of the cage that i put myself in totally and i i I feel like this is a moment in time where it's like oh i can push this open. i can come out of my cage and do just fine reinvent some things about yourself it's cool to reinvent yourself at almost 28 yeah it's no you know what though i did about the about the same age i started to really work on myself as well um and just because you're an old man i'm well yeah shut up but um (laughs) although no i honestly i used to make fun of sarah bennett all the time when she turned 30 i would just just like knock her all the time yeah i'm like oh now that you're in your 30s and now that i'm 30 she is just she's just living it up (laughs) but Uh, it's fascinating i've uh, even some of the music and the media i've been listening to i uh there was an album i was listening to because you know like when you go through a breakup every song turns into a breakup oh, song oh yeah <laughs> and uh there was an album it was it was one of those ones that's just been around since I, I listened to one song from it i'm like i love this song and someday i'll listen to the rest of this album oh, do you know yeah. the wonder years uh i don't know them but i've he- i have heard of they're them they're phenomenal okay. they did an album in 2011 called suburbia i've given you all and now i'm nothing okay and it's essentially a concept album about a guy who loses his job and his girlfriend and tries to reinvent himself by moving out to the midwest and fails miserably okay uh but there's there's a song in it called uh woke up older it's the second song of the album and it essentially was like oh this is my greatest fear right just a dude that like wasted several years of his life and wakes up and sees himself in the mirror and it's like oh my god i've aged a year in a week and i was like okay that's what i've been doing and that's what i can't do anymore yeah i think i i feel that because you know when you turn when you do turn 30 even though it's not that old and i, I know some people listen to this and want to throw something at me but there is like a little bit of a that pull you know what i mean of like oh shit 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 shit, shit. i'm 30 and what's going on but i think for me like a first of all 30 has been the best year of my life and i know everyone says like your 30s are amazing it's genuinely true and it's one of those things that like it's you can't get complacent you got to just keep working on your life keep working on yourself and i honestly from a personal level i've seen some of the work you've put into yourself over the last couple months and and i'm really proud of you man you seem to you seem to be (laughs) doing really well that's nice of you to say it's It's, true it's it's coming it up as it goes along it's true though going to the gym bro dude the gym is huge it's a very nice place it's huge man it's and especially once you start taking care of yourself in one facet it spirals and you want to take care of yourself and other aspects of your life and you want to go and go on that audition that you maybe wouldn't have gone (laughs) oh yeah or you do this there's a there's a lot even even drumming for this estrada i feel like if you had asked me to do that three months ago i would have said no right no right Mm -mm. and then i ain't good enough and you did it and you freaking murdered it so it's like i certainly murdered something (laughs) Uh, well with with all the sticks that were flying around in that space (laughs) it was okay 
everyone knocks me because I wasn't able to hold on to a fucking drumstick the entire way through. Like, Here's what happened. They're like two Here's inches a, shorter. I'm going to paint you a picture with my words, Ooh. faithful listener. All right, let me, let me. The amount of space that you need to actively play the drums at a good level is probably about maybe like a, a cube six by six by six. Like plenty of space to do it. I was, I felt like the T-Rex in Meet the Robinsons. <laughs> like I have a big head and little arms and I don't think this plan was well thought out because I was literally playing like my elbows were glued to my body. The cymbals were right above the snare. The snare was literally, the snare was so deep in my lap that I have bruises on the inside of my thighs from whacking myself constantly with the sticks. So when you say that, yes, my stick flew off in every single direction, that's because I couldn't have a proper grip. I remember that. Oh. So. I had a lot of feelings. I apparently had a lot of feelings. One of my questions literally is, What's one of the things that, that Zach Rich wants to say about himself? And I think he already said I have need space! No. Oh, that's so fun. No, but actually, let's, let, us, let us actually delve into that question. Let's piggyback off of that. Sure. Because you, you just talked a lot about, <laughs> a lot about yourself, and, I, and I, thought, I, I think it's great, because I think a lot of people listen to this, and they've gotten to know you over, um, over the course of this, this season. But I think at the same time, like, you know, no one's, like, sat there and, like, Poked Papa Bear's ass. Hey, are you okay? No, but, no, but I, I. So what I'm curious is, I don't, I don't know about you, but, but, but I certainly feel this, and I think this is a, a feeling that a lot of people have, especially in the theater, that there's a lot of people know a thing, know some things about you, but there's definitely some things that people just like don't quite know about you. You know sure, what I mean? Sure. And what are some things that you a would like? people to know about maybe what's even if you're willing what's something that you're nervous to let people know about you or something okay. like that gosh yeah man um, <laughs> i went to i down yeah delvin. you want a deep dive I'm into me delvin man um Jeez. obviously it's, it's funny because most guests are like well you should like do an episode on yourself sometime soon and i was like well maybe for the season finale and here we are <laughs> uh good gravy i um something about me that people don't know about yeah it's, it's hard because I feel like I'm very much an open book, but I've also realized, especially with, with all these things going on in my life, that I've held in a lot. Yeah. Uh, just just emotionally. Uh, like, I, I've, I've had issues with anger management and anxiety throughout Ooh, my entire life. And I hear you only, on that. Yeah. Only recently has, like, names been put onto those things. Yeah. It's, it's very odd because I have this fleeting sense that, like... These, you, you hear something like something good or something bad, and right. you think, "Well, that's not me." Like these things are never going to happen to me, and then it happens to you, and it's like good gravy. Here we are with this thing that you never expected right. to have, and I, I, I feel like what my biggest, I, <laughs> good gravy. Uh, we can edit anything I, I've out. Flustered so. <laughs> myself now. Yeah, no, it's that's a that's a deep question. My yeah, friend. I'm sorry. I, I feel like in this process of reinventing myself, the most important thing that I'm trying to do is just be more honest with myself because totally. that's definitely what I wasn't doing anymore. It's remarkably hard to be honest with yourself yeah. and with other people sometimes. It's it's It seems so simple and yet it's so difficult to do sometimes. I totally hear that. Even even just simple things like talking to, to, to the... The funny thing is talking to the people that we love the most is even sometimes the most it's difficult. It's definitely hard. Yeah, and, and just like simple things like asking for things that we need. Yeah. Um, that's tough too. That was the core... That's one of the core things I learned is that just like it's just okay to ask for help, and that's something that you hear all the time. Right. And like I always offer help to other people, but I never offer help for myself. Yeah, uh, it's this it's this very big sense. I've always had this feeling throughout my entire life that I've been loved slightly less than I give. Right, uh, which I think uh, might be something that most people feel throughout their I, lives. I don't know about other people, but I can tell you, I've definitely experienced. I, that yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely a feeling that you feel, and I think uh, part of 
this process of just kind of letting go of some of my angers and anxieties over the past couple of years is just like believing that people probably love me just as much as I love them. It's really difficult to do because it's 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 steeped in both trust and it's uh and it's it's steeped in in this in in your view of yourself mm-hmm. because you know at least for me uh, oh why would they care about me x amount when I don't care about me x amount Absolutely. kind of thing like that. But then you you also have to lo- like part of me has to look at it at a logical point of being like okay. So this friend that I've had for over 15 years, my brain is trying to tell me, my brain is trying to send signals to, a, to, to the rest of my body at one point in time that, that these people don't care about me as much as, as I think they do. Yeah. And then I have to logically think, take a step back, breathe and go, if they were spending 15 years all to string you along <laughs> yeah. for some random practical joke. <laughs> you're, you're friends with psycho and sociopaths. Like, mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? And so it's like, there are moments where you, you know, uh, as, as, as my therapist says, um, you know, there, there, there's, there's, there's the logical part of your brain and then there's that emotional part. And sometimes you have to work towards getting them to, 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 to be in harmony, but sometimes they're very much not. Easily. And you got to take that step back. It's, it's, it's difficult. I, um, when I was a kid, I was bullied. Very yeah. regularly. Yeah. Uh, uh, literally, like, taken out and beaten up by childhood bullies behind the dumpster after school. Like, that kind of jazz. And, yeah. like, you don't want to think that it sticks with you, but it definitely sticks oh, with totally. you to a way. Oh, like, 100%. Yeah. I, I, I always joke that I never had social skills until I was, like, 23. And to an extent, I think that's true. But it's it's it, it's hard to differentiate the 10-year-old the, the self that just played Banjo-Kazooie day in and day out yeah. because like that was the one thing you were good at to actively being able to take credit for your successes both like in business in in oh. art in life oh, with friends it's it's I've been trying to do everything I can to take credit for my successes, which is something I think I have not been able to do for a very I've, long time. I've I've often yelled at at, at one Zach Rich for for uh, randomly having this talent that nobody knew he had, and I've yelled at him because he did. And it's bad. I want to be bashful. I want to be modest, being like I'm not that good at it. But I sit there and think to myself, no, you played drums throughout an entire musical. Like these are all these things you have accomplished. You have you've done seventeen episodes of a podcast right. now. Like you're getting things right. up and off the ground. I'm launching a second one in a couple of weeks. So this one's going on hiatus for a little while. But right. I'm starting one with um my friends Kevin Ryder and Andrew Orsi. The uh, the video game the video one. game one. Yeah, yeah I'm excited about that. Really, really fun. I I'm eagerly anticipating well, doing it. Okay, so let's let speaking of video games, I yeah. think I think if people oh, yes. listen to the let's show, let's talk about something nice and easy, please. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> well, let me let me let me let me say, I did add a little. Ugh. So you're a huge video game. If, if anybody here has, has listened to the podcast regularly, I think they or just knows you, they yeah, know that you're sure. a big video game guy. And so I'm curious. You, you you touched on the fact the the personal reasons that you connected with Banjo Banjo Kazooie yeah recently. sure but like what kind of what is it about the video game style of storytelling that really appeals to you sure. as a storyteller yourself because that's what ultimately we were doing as actors and directors and and writers and things like that we're telling stories so I'm I'm curious as to what part of that that storytelling appeals to you and if you noticed the two types of storytelling with theater and with video games. Uh, bleed over at all in your Absolutely. experience. So I find gaming to be a miraculous art form. Yeah. Uh, simply because one, it's 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 theater dips into this sometimes if you're following something like Sleep No More, but video gaming is an inherently interactive medium. A thousand percent. It yeah. actively invites the player in to 
experience this story, find its qualities and mysteries and unfold itself alongside the player. And recently, uh, and, and recently yeah. you've allowed, there have been games that you've actually been able, been able to control your own destiny very much too. Very much cool. so. There's, there's been, a, there's been a big argument for like the last 10 years about the, the capabilities of player choice. I talked about this one on the podcast, a couple of, I forget who it was with, but there's a great game that's always stuck with me called the Stanley Parable, uh-huh. uh, which is literally, it's basically a player choice, the game where anything you do in the game will be commented upon and discussed right. with this game's narrator. Uh, it's it's something I feel like every actor should play, and I will say that till the day I die. Fair enough. But I find gaming to be able to tell, even though it takes a massive amount of budget, a massive amount of time and energy and years of creation, depending on the scope of the project, it could be something as big as like an action set piece, crazy popcorn thriller, something like uh, anything Naughty Dog has done in the last couple of years, The Last of Us or Uncharted, oh, or yeah. anything from their realm to the smaller intimate indie experiences. I, I played a couple of really wonderful like two-hour games uh, over the course of the last couple of months, and there was one that really, really stuck with me called What Remains of Edith Finch. I was I was reading a list of of best games of of uh, uh, it was either 2017 or yeah. twenty seventeen and and that was that was high uh, uh, on the list yeah um, and I heard yeah. it, I heard it was wonderful it, yeah genuinely it was it was the kind of game I had to put down and cry my eyes out a couple of times because it's a game that's squarely about death and the process of dying and the process of grieving you play as this teenager who comes back to her childhood home after several years away Mm -hmm. because your mother's passed away and left the land to you and basically your entire childhood home is a museum to deceased members of your family when a member dies this family's obsessed with death and they believe they're cursed to die in unbelievable and unusual ways and every time somebody dies, they seal off that person's bedroom and it essentially becomes a museum to that person's oh, life. And cool. as you're exploring the house, you get these flashbacks back to either how this person dies or how this person remembers themselves dying. Oh, okay. uh, so even like there's one moment, I, I don't want to go into too many spoilers because it's just such a phenomenal piece. Uh, but there was one moment, uh, this is probably one of my favorite sequences in a video game I think I've ever, ever, ever played. Uh, but you play as a guy in a fishery mm-hmm. and he's very desensitized to his life and basically he's really good at being in this fishery because that's just like how he is able to just like get his living wage but all he does is he moves things over he, he grabs a fish he moves it over gets his head chopped off sends it on the conveyor belt right. and you start doing this for a little while and all that's controlled with your one of your thumbsticks and then suddenly he starts having this daydream and the daydream starts off very, very simple. And you're controlling a cane and he's moving for a 2D space. And then as it gets uh, more and more intimate, you realize that like the scope of the daydream is broadening. And you're controlling the daydream with one stick, but you also Whoa. still have to move the fish around with the other stick. It's one of the most ingenious moments, one of the greatest moments of story and gameplay integration right, right. that I have ever seen in my 20 years of playing video That's games. so it cool. Blew my absolute mind because you're still trying to control this daydream but the fish comes in and you still have to focus on the fish and the daydream gets bigger and bigger and bigger and it takes up the space and eventually like this guy wants to leave behind his real life or his fantasy and i don't want to i don't want to say how it ends but the way it ends literally ruined me because i feel like that's very much like how i've spent several years of my life was just trying to build these fantasies to escape a mundane reality and i think that's one of the best things about video games is that they offer an escape that lasts an extreme amount of time. Games tend to take, uh, it can take as many as two hours to, I finished 
Uh, this, oh my god, I could talk about games all day. I'm sure. Starting this podcast, mm-hmm. but I finished. Uh, there's this wonderful game, Near Automata. Yeah. Uh, which I think you and I have talked about. And well, it's uh, got 26 different endings. It has 26 different endings. Five of them are like, like the main ending story. Here. Everything else is kind of joke endings. Yeah. But I finished it. I literally was up until four in the morning the other night finishing this game because the ending was so personal and deep and amazing. I wish I could discuss these things without spoiling it for people, but. All I'm going to say is if you want like a short but beautiful experience, go play What Remains of Edith Fitch. If you want a really, really long, crazy, like mimetic, totally, it, it's just, it's a mindfuck. Right, it's a right. total and complete mindfuck. The thing, the way they present, I have this thing where I'm really anxious to watch credits, uh, like right before I go to sleep because I had this dream as a kid that I was in a theater. I have a lot of anxiety in movie theaters. Right, right. And I had this nightmare as a kid. Uh, that was recurring where I would be watching credits in a theater and then they keep scrolling by and they keep scrolling by and then in blood red letters the screen just says we've got you now and then what? the theater explodes <laughs> and I had this dream like weekly for what? four years of my life that's great that should be on the list of things Zach doesn't want to tell people that's uh, crazy yeah okay. I have I have very Ooh, weird anxiety that's in movie theaters that's very weird <laughs> that's very strange it's very weird good to know on uh, a personal level but the way this game presents its ending credits when you get to the truest ending is probably one of the most memorable moments in the video game I've ever spent and playing wow. that in four in the morning was just like and I didn't know it was four in the morning I was like what time is it one Dude, four I'm I'm I my video game like love is very 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 withhold, withholding on my part because sure. I'm terrified of I'm terrified because I, I have such an addictive personality that I know that if I were to just like give in and just play until I truly want to stop it, it, I'd be one, I'd be like one of those kids in like Korea or something like that who like easily died because he just like sat and that's, there for and that's, that's, that's one of my problems too is that there are bits of my life where it's the like wake up sit on the couch play the game go to sleep right uh, I I'm honestly like coming out of one of those moments right now I'm limiting the amount of time I spend playing video games I don't play during the day anymore right. uh, I generally try to find time at night to right. play because it is if if presented with the opportunity to do nothing I will take it right. like as much as I say that I am busy and I am working all the time if I see an excuse to be lazy I will take that excuse I to be lazy yeah. I will never turn down an opportunity to sit on my ass and take it easy right uh, and that's one of my biggest problems and something I'm trying to combat but I just find gaming to be like, I love doing theater because I think it's such an intimate thing to do with other people and to share with other people, but I love playing gaming because it's an intimate way for a creator to interact with audience. Okay. Uh, and I think that's something that you just don't get from any other medium. Right. It, it just builds, like, a creation like Nier Automata, it couldn't exist as anything else. That's right. why video game movies tend to fail unless yeah. they're very loose. Like, Rampage is a great example, the, the new rock film. Right. That's a great example of a film working because the source material is this ancient arcade game that is wonderful it's rampage is great if you ever see a rampage cabinet like go ahead and play it i used to love it but rampage works really really well because there's very little you actually need to adapt into it so that you got a lot of room to build something around it which is why most people are calling it the best video game movie but when you said uh when you try to adapt like say max Payne or hitman or even the recent assassin's creed game none of those worked because you lose that sense of connection between the work and the player that you don't have in cinema right Right, that's true. I didn't even think about that, but it's very that's very correct. Yeah, that's why most video game films fail, and I think there will be exceptions to the rule. I think when you, uh, Illumination, the the studio that did Despicable Me and Minions, yeah, they're yeah. working on a Super Mario Brothers movie, which could work out, 
because Mario is such a loose thing to adapt, and there's a lot of beloved characters right. in the Mario universe. Right. So I think that's going to work out well if they can tell a really good story using those characters. Uh, and the timelessness of Mario, hopefully it means that like they're not going to squeeze in a Katy Perry song or something like that, <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of timelessness to works like that. It's why a lot of people still love like the 80s cartoons of Mario Brothers Super Show, right. Pac-Man, and the separate Super K kind right. of things. The more loose something is, the easier it is to adapt. That's why, that's why you... Alice in Wonderland gets adapted out the wazoo. Mm-hmm. There's so much in oh, there. Too much, am I right? Uh, <laughs> um, Go see Alice at Bam. <laughs> or don't. Or don't. Uh, yeah. So I love games. That's awesome. And I so, love games. so would you say that the the intimacy of of, of the the storytelling is is the parts that of, of theater and, and video games that you would that, that kind of bleed? It is. Those? And then there's like the sense of discovery too. I I, I always say this, but Banjo Kazooie is my favorite game of all time because it is one. It's a game that I can play from beginning to end and know everything that's going to go on in it. Right. And two, this. There's this wonderful sense of discovery and joy, and especially the way, like, I I think Banjo-Kazooie is a perfect game because its music is one of the most memorable soundtracks I have ever heard in my entire life, and it feeds itself into it. The, the, The sensation of, like, finding a jigsaw piece, which is the main collectible in it, is intoxicating because the jingle that plays, the celebration, like, you feel like you've accomplished something. And games, especially, like, from the 90s, I think the reason we connect to collectathon platformers from that area, Mario 64, Banjo Kazooie, uh, uh, Bad Fur Day and the like is because of that sense of discovery and earning that's why a lot of games have like collectibles all over the place they have those audio diaries they have right. just this sense of discovery and passion and lore that you can build and build and build because and, some of these games take hundreds of hours to complete right uh, and theaters kind of got a little bit of that to a degree. Theaters yeah. got that to a degree too, depending on how well baked into a show. I mean, even Lisa Strata Jones, I think what you did with the ref was, <laughs> it, it, it's incredible. And yeah. It's something that only exists when you have one, a very strong actor in the part and two, the, the creative freedom to build basically a second show right. that only four people are going to see. <laughs> I, I, think it, I think it's very unique in being able to build something like that. I, th- I think video gaming is just, I think one of the best things about it is that you can either blast your way through it and experience like the core tenets of the story, or you can stop, smell the roses, and really, really feed totally. into this world that they built that is huge and massive and intoxicating. I played... Persona 5 is one yeah. of my favorite games I've played in the past couple of years. And my first playthrough with it, it came out oh just a little over a year ago now. And I played about 120 hours of it in three weeks. Wow. Uh, I, I stopped. I, I didn't even stop to smell the roses for the most part. Like right. By the time I got to like the last couple of hours, I was just like, let's get through it. Let's right, get through it. Right, let's do right, it. Right, 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 right. Uh, I just, I just love yeah, I, that's fair. No, yeah, I feel like I feel like one of the most interesting things, and I think this is part of me being an actor. And I know we're running, running we're like, running very we're long, running yes, long. but that's okay. We'll that's wrap okay. up. We, of it. we can we can do that soon. But yeah, I was just saying that one of the things that's most exciting to me as an actor, at least watching, is that I always know that there's something going on behind the scenes, not just behind the scenes, behind the scenes, but like there's some kind of uh, story that's not being told, that's still being told um, through performances, through through um, and, and and during the show. That you know, it's like oh. Okay, there. This these two characters are having these this fight, and I don't exactly know what happened before this fight. Sure, per, per se, because that wasn't written. But I know that these two people are that they've created that 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 history for themselves in order to properly come to this fight with the real stakes involved. And so there is a world building that happens, and that's one of the most exciting things about the the acting process. It's not just like oh, we get to go up on st- stage and be ridiculous. It's like no, we get to create these people from the ground up and to really 
fill them out and create our own little type of worlds that not everyone gets the chance to stop and smell the roses. Um, right. Although I think we're sometimes we're happy to tell them. Sometimes we're, we're we'd rather keep it close to the to the mask <laughs> for a little while. But yeah. But I so I think it's it's kind of there's there's a little bit of similarity in that which I which I hear you. So all right, last question. Yeah, Ready? give it to me. All right, you're very proud of this one. Will so. Will the Bills ever win a Super Bowl? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes. The answer is yes. It is this year. This year. The Patriots are self-destructing. Wow. Yeah. This is the year, baby! I believe we're going to call this episode uh, Exercise in Delusion. We're going to call this episode Nostradamus, Nostradamus because I called it here. Thanks so much, buddy. Thanks for letting me do this. This is super Thank fun. You. Thanks for coming on and doing the season finale. Yeah, dude. That's why it's allowed to be longer because it's the season it's finale. It's the season finale. Um, do you have anything that you real quick want to want to plug of, of, of yours? Uh, maybe the, the, the upcoming uh, pod? Yeah. Or... Uh, it'll actually, I'll probably be, probably post the episode, first episode into the space just because I can do that. Uh, but we're doing a new podcast with myself, Kevin Ryder, and Andrew Orsi called Good Game, Great Game. And now that I'm saying it out loud, like it's happening, but it's going to be basically a video game book club. Nice. Uh, that we each week will bring in a different game to discuss. We're starting our first episode on Metroid Prime, uh, and the next two following that will be on uh, the 2017 God of War, which comes out tomorrow, uh, today as we're posting this. Fair enough. And uh, Celeste, which is oh, that's another game I could talk about all day. But okay, well just we'll get listen we'll, to the we'll, show. We'll leave that for the pod. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, also make sure that you guys go out um, check out uh, your Alice. Uh, it's yeah. going to be at. Uh, Brooklyn Cat Music, Bam uh, Fisher's uh, Fisherman Space. Um, it's going to be there uh, through the twenty uh, from the twenty third of May through the twenty seventh of May. And then if we have any UK listeners, man, uh, go out. <laughs> We're going to be in Edinburgh, Scotland for for the pretty much the month of August. Tickets are both or uh, all tickets are online uh, through brown yeah. paper tickets right now. Or you can go to Bam's website or even I think Edinburgh's website's got them available. And then if you got any California listeners, man, from uh, from the I think. I'm gonna be out in California from the from June 17th through July 1st, and so there's gonna be some shows going on then. We're gonna do almost Maine, so make yeah. sure you go check that out too. Zach, thanks so much for this. Uh, everyone, make sure you continue to uh, keep an update, keep an eye out for things. You're fully embracing I'm this whole doing it, man. <laughs> keep an eye out for things, uh, uh, and uh, hopefully we're gonna have some uh, some Ophelia talks, some new Ophelia talks starting up uh, this this upcoming fall, fall 2018. Yeah, yeah. Keep your eye on the space. We're probably gonna do a couple of episodes here and there over yeah. the summer, just about things going on. I think. Uh, uh, we're going to have Eric Ryder on at some point Excellent. to talk a little bit about Almost Maine. Excellent. Uh, by the time we announce our fall season, I think we're going to do like a season opener myself and probably Billy and Sarah. S- sounds spectacular. Talk about what's happening. But yeah, we're going to go on hiatus for a little while, work on some other projects, and uh, best of luck with Alice, dude. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Of course. I All appreciate right. you. Oh, there's love. <sighs> there's love. Well, All right, until guys. next time. Peace. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this first season. Peace. <laughs> I just wanted to end. Uh, I don't even know if I'm going to edit this. I might just post it you as might is. Just post the whole thing. Oh God! Uh, for Mike Tubman and myself, I'm taking the host reins back. Please, for Mike Tubman and myself, my name is Zach Rich, and this has been Ophelia Talk. <laughs>